We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by both my co-hosts again, finally. Uh, Maggie Loney, Andrew Mertig are here, and it's a Friday show. Uh, it's good to be back together, you guys. How you doing? Yeah, it's really great to be back. We're, we're all back together, as you just said, and uh, I think we got an exciting show for you. Yeah, it's been a long time since all of us have actually been able to record together, so this is going to be fun. It is really going to be fun. It is good to be back together. Uh, we are excited about the show. Even pre-show, we're, ex- we're excited to get into this one. Um, today's show, we, we're going to admit right out of the gate that we're kind of in the part of the offseason. It's a little bit slow, but that doesn't mean that there's not plenty to talk about, right? There's always one more layer of an offseason to peel back and just study a little bit closer. And so today, we want to start by taking a look not at what our Green Bay Packers did this offseason, but what their rivals did. So... Andrew, Maggie, and myself are going to spend some time over the next couple of Fridays digging deep into the off-seasons of the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions. Uh, The Packers play six games against division rivals every year, and so we thought it would be worth our time and yours as listeners to put these three NFC North teams under the microscope a little bit and talk about their free agent additions and subtractions, their draft picks, and then discuss whether or not these rivals of the pack got better or worse during the offseason. Yeah, so this is the third year that Kyle and I have had this uh, this sort of preview uh, discussion of the opponents for the upcoming season. And now we get to add in Maggie's expertise. So we're, we're really, really excited about that. And I think we talk kind of ad nauseum about what the Packers did, all the new Packers players, how their current players are going to develop. But we don't always take the time to look around the league and process, right? Because like free agency hits and you have this flurry of tweets and you forget who signed where. And, and then you get the draft and you're really excited about who's falling for the Packers, but you don't always pay attention cumulatively to how different teams did. So we're going to put that all together for you. And this week we are starting with the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are coming off an eight and nine season. They certainly came into last year with some pretty high playoff expectations, but their defense was 
kind of abysmal. Uh, the offense wasn't as bad as we remember, but you'd expect a little better given all the resources they poured into the skill position. So I do think it's fair to say their offensive line took a step forward, which was a big weakness for years and years and years. So that is probably promising in Minnesota. But then they went ahead and cleaned house this offseason. They fire head coach Mike Zimmer and general manager Rick Spielman. And then they go went ahead and replaced them with Kevin O'Connell. That's an interesting hire, kind of inexperienced. Um, certainly that kind of protege offensive coordinator under Sean McVay. So you're banking on him having absorbed some of that, even though I don't think he's ever truly been a play caller. And then at general manager, they went ahead and hired Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who came from Cleveland, if I am correct. Uh, and uh, O'Connell brought in Wes Phillips to be the offensive coordinator. Wes Phillips was the passing game coordinator and tight end coach under O'Connell with the Rams. And then Mr. Fourth and and uh, Mr. Fourth and Twenty Six himself, Ed Donatel, uh, gets brought in as the defensive coordinator. Donatel, of course, bringing in Green Bay guys left and right. Mike Pettin is going to be the assistant head coach. Mike Smith also ends up coaching Minnesota as that offensive linebacker slash pass rushing coach. So a lot of interesting moves there. Yeah, yeah, lots of change to really track, and it's interesting when you put it all together. I mean, you kind of lose track, like you said, of all that's happened there in Minnesota over the course of this offseason. So now we're going to kind of move into some of the player transactions that we've seen um, and begin with free agency. I'm going to first talk about some of the losses, the subtractions from this team that have gone out the door. And guard Dakota Dozier signed with the Chicago Bears. Uh, He wasn't much of a factor in 2021, but was a starting guard for that team in 2020. Uh, Tyler Conklin, the tight end, filled in really nicely for an injured Irv Smith last year. And he earned a three-year deal from the New York Jets. So he's gone. Minnesota also lost offensive lineman Mason Cole to the Panthers. And then on defense, uh, the Vikes released defensive lineman Michael Pierce, who opted out, of course, of that COVID year in 2020, and then only really played last year um, half the game, so dealing with some injuries. So he's back with the Baltimore Ravens after his release. Uh, Minnesota also lost linebacker Nick Vigil to the Arizona Cardinals. I guess the other notable loss on defense was safety Xavier Woods. He was up and down kind of in coverage last year, but played really well against the run and was the only Vikings player who played every single snap on defense for this Vikings team last season. So that's going to be a pretty big void that needs to be filled for sure. A name that I didn't include here is Anthony Barr, you guys. And obviously Anthony Barr has a long history with uh, with the Vikings He's been there for a long time, and it's kind of a fixture there. He is still a free agent to this point um, and has not signed anywhere. Do you guys have any thoughts on, you know, is is Barr someone we expect to be back with the Vikings, or should we kind of include him maybe in this flurry of people who've left the team? For me personally, I honestly see him being one of those Devondre Campbell kind of camp signings. I do see him fitting back with the Vikings, but... I would also see, you know, I could see a team that's, you know, deals with an injury early in training camp, bringing him in to kind of test the waters there because I think he still, you know, can play. But I do think that the Vikings are a really good fit for him as far as, you know, long term. Yeah, I, Anthony Barr is a weird scheme fit for a lot of teams. And so with Mike Zimmer not coaching right now in the league that I know of, um, and really not a lot of his like protégés floating around. I do wonder, you know, it, it, Bard does a lot of things really well, but I think you kind of have to like 
find that versatile role to get the value out. And then you wonder, like, is he going to be willing to do the Devondre Campbell route, as Maggie said, and and go ahead and play on a minimum? Because I'm sure there's lots of teams that would take a chance on him if he, yeah. if he would sign a reasonable deal. But, you know, given what he has made with the Vikings and sort of the importance of his role, I don't know that you could just, like, plug him into Ed Donatel's defense and just expect him to produce in that way. If you're just going to say, okay, be an off ball linebacker full time. We're not going to let you rush and pass it. We're not going to let you do the, those other things that made you um, a really interesting chess piece. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see where Barr ends up. He's 30 years old. I just looked it up. He turned 30 uh, this spring. And so obviously age plays a factor and Minnesota seems like they're kind of turning the page, right? And maybe going a little bit different direction. Barr has been there forever. We'll see if he's in the plans or not. Yeah, and so, you know, you take a look at all of the different losses to the Vikings roster that you talked about. I don't know that there's anybody that's like a huge loss, um, but there's certainly moves that eat away at your depth. You start to lose some solid starters. You start to lose some of your bench players. Conklin was a really nice player for them, as you mentioned. Michael Pierce just never lived up to that huge contract in the middle. And so, you know, it's like you have to replace the Xavier Woods of the world. Now, can you find replacements for players like that? Absolutely. But as we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, then you end up having to to utilize premium draft picks in order to do so. So uh, we'll flip over from the losses to the Vikings roster additions. Yeah. So, you know, you guys already mentioned a lot of the players that had departed the Vikings roster. They did go in and bring in, obviously, a bunch of guys to fill in some of those holes. Um, Defensive tackle Julian Taylor from the 49ers is with the Vikings now. Corner Nate Hairston from the Broncos. Offensive lineman Jesse Davis, most recently with the Dolphins. Good friend, um, Jandon Sullivan, uh, corner, will, probably will still play nickel for the Vikings. Um, I know he really loved Mike Pettin. Uh, Chris Reed, guard from the Colts. Zadarius Smith being the biggest name here, of course, at edge. Austin Schlotman, another guard center from the Broncos. Um, Harrison Phillips was probably one of the bigger ones. A defensive tackle most recently with the Bills. Uh, tight end Johnny Munt with the Rams and then linebacker Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals. So I thought that move was really interesting. They kind of swapped with the Cardinals. Uh, They sent Nick Vigil to Arizona and then they picked up Jordan Hicks. So that is kind of another thing too with Anthony Barr, right? They've got Jordan Hicks. They've got um, Eric Hendricks already. So does he fit into that rotation now? Um, I think of, you know, most notably in these additions is Darius Smith, who joins Daniil Hunter as a pretty disruptive edge tandem. Harrison Phillips, you know, is going to look really good anchoring that defensive line that also has Delvin Tomlinson. And I like the addition of Jordan Hicks. Obviously, I mentioned that already to pair with Eric Kendricks. Um, the secondary was always going to be the weakest thing for them. Um, as far as the defense is concerned. So we'll see if Chandon Sullivan can help make a difference there. But, you know, like Andrew alluded to, we'll also talk about the draft picks that will hopefully make a difference for that secondary too. Yeah, of course, Zadari <laughs> Smith going to Minnesota has been covered extensively, right? We we know that he's there and we know there's some tension there with the Packers. But um, I kind of forgot that Chandon Sullivan ended up with the Vikings as well. I'm glad we, we did the show because I remember all this stuff comes back. Uh, his best season was probably back in 
2019 when he was in Green Bay with Pettin. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get back on track there in Minnesota with Pettin, who, of course, we've talked about as that assistant head coach for the Vikings. But uh, the Vikings also kept some of their guys in the building. They were able to retain some players, including cornerback Patrick Peterson, who will be 32 years old before the start of the season. He's the vet in that cornerback room and will be tasked with being a starter, but also helping some of these young corners come along in that learn that in that room of cornerbacks and learn the ropes. Uh, the team also brought back kicker Greg Joseph, who was a restric- restricted free agent. Uh, but the biggest signing was probably Kirk Cousins. Honestly, there was no chance that Cousins wasn't back with the Vikings in 2022. But the new contract does keep Cousins in purple through at least 2023, which is not the worst thing in the entire world. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and so the Vikings had a draft class, of course, and once again, they end up with a really big draft class, not quite as big as the last two years, but still 10 players. Um, And so even though the Vikings had a change in general manager, they still love accumulating draft resources by moving all around. And they made a big move down because they were originally picking number 12 and then made the trade with the Detroit Lions slid all the way down to the end of the first round with pick number 32, and they drafted safety Lewis Seen out of Georgia. Then the Vikings were up again at pick 42. They take Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback out of Clemson. In the second round, uh, with their second second round pick, they get guard Ed Ingram out of LSU. In the third round, they take linebacker Brian Asamoah out of uh, Oklahoma. In the fourth round, they get a Caleb Evans, the cornerback from Missouri. And then they had a flurry of picks, two-fifths, uh, Azizi, <laughs> Otomo. 
Way to give me all the, the helpful hints there, guys. Uh, the edge um, out of Mi- the University of Minnesota. So staying home, they get a running back Ty Chandler out of North Carolina. In the sixth round, they went with Vidarian Lowe, the tackle out of Illinois. Jalen Naylor out of Michigan State, a wide receiver. And then they had a seventh round pick, and they got Nick Muse, tight end from South Carolina. I am just glad that you had to attempt that name and not me. So um, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But, um, man, I, this draft class, you guys, I'm just going to be honest. We try to be somewhat objective in this process, right? We don't just come here to rip on division rivals. That's not why we do this. We love the NFL, so we like to see what's what's going on, who we're going to be matched up against in, in the fall. But I'm going to be honest. If I was a Vikings fan, I think I'd be pretty nervous about the direction of the organization under a new GM after this first draft class and it's just one draft class right so this is a small sample size you know let's keep it in context i like scene i like booth they're both really good players i think that we really liked scene as a prospect i think as this podcast right we talked about him quite a bit as an option for the packers uh but the process by which you got those guys it kind of felt rough to me right just knowing that the vikings at different points in the draft owned the 12th pick, right? They owned the 33rd pick. They owned the 34th pick as well, both of those. They owned the 53rd pick and the 59th pick from the Packers. Of course, they didn't own all those picks at the same time. But knowing the players that were picked around those spots and then seeing the list of the players that the Vikings took home at the end of the day, I don't know, it's just it's pretty underwhelming to me when you put it in that light. Um, and not just once, but Twice they did this. They let a division rival move up for their guy. And maybe those guys don't pan out. Maybe they're not stars. But if Jamison Williams and Christian Watson are shredding their defense for the next 10 years, it's going to be on Minnesota. They're going to have to live with the fact that they're the team that let them do that uh, and get get those players. So um, in my opinion, they just didn't get enough to move around the board the way that they did. And so I'd be a little nervous if I was a Minnesota fan. But obviously, we'll grade this draft years from now and not right now. Yeah, Kyle, I don't think I could have said it any better. I really liked Scene and Booth, and I think they'll pair well in the Vikings secondary, but I do agree with you that the Vikings definitely could have made a bigger splash, a b- bigger splash with the picks that they had. But I think by that same argument, if Scene and Booth were their guys, then at the end of the day, where they're picked doesn't really matter, right? We always talk about Brian Gutekunst staying true to his board and getting his guys, even if maybe fans don't agree that the value is there. So if Kwesi loves these guys and they go on and make a difference for the Vikings, then I think that's all that matters. Um, But I do honestly love the idea of Christian Watson burning Booth for the next 10 years. Um, There's something kind of poetic, I guess, or there would be something poetic about the Vikings refusing to allow Green Bay to trade up to that 32nd spot to deny them a fifth-year option for Watson, and then taking that same trade two picks later to let the Packers get their guy in the second round. So just a weird operation from the Vikings, but maybe kind of trying to make sense of it. Yeah, and and I thought seeing, you know, we, we talked about him pre-draft plenty. I thought he was a really solid value. I, I had him as my 30th overall player. They got him at 32. That's all fine and dandy, but that trade down with the Lions was a disaster. And when when they could have just stayed there and picked Kyle Hamilton, and maybe Maggie is right. May, maybe they just didn't view Kyle Hamilton that much higher than Lewisine, or maybe not even higher at all, and they figured they could get him later in the draft. And that's fine, but then you you have to charge a division rival at least the going rate. Um, and I know in this year's class, maybe trades were a little bit less valuable, 
But anytime you're moving down 20 spots in the first round, I, I think you have to come out with more than a pick swap and a third round pick. And and that, I mean, it's just, it was horrible value. I think they recovered a little bit because Booth, in my opinion, is a, a really great player if he's healthy. And he was my 11th overall player, but like he slid big time because of injury concerns. So if he's healthy, I think I think they, they have a chance to have maybe a really good corner duo with Dantzler and Booth. But I thought they way overdrafted Ed Ingram and Brian Asamoa. And so, like, there's your, your uh, you know, next two picks after after the two secondary guys. And the only player I really liked in day three was Ty Chandler. And he's probably not going to see the field much, if at all. Uh, in fact, if he see, sees the field, the Vikings have some big problems because they have Delvin Cook, Alexander Madison, and Kenny Nwangu in front of him. So, um their draft was maybe solid. If they get something out of those first two picks, I, I don't think people really care about the rest. Um, but I just, you know, between the trade and what they did after their second pick, I really did not love it. All right. So, guys, we've done the exercise. We've been as objective as possible. We're going to get into the answering the question now. Did the Minnesota Vikings get better or did they actually get worse over the course of this offseason? Yeah, I, I thought their offseason was a little bit of a wash. I, I don't see how this team is much better. You know, maybe Patrick Peterson finds the fountain of youth and Andrew Booth Jr. is ready to play immediately and, and or some combination of Booth and Dantzler and the defense gets better. You know, maybe Daniil Hunter and Zadarius, the Trader Smith, both stay healthy and the Vikings have a really fierce pass rush. But I kind of doubt all of those things click, right? And the offensive line should be better and the weapons are certainly top notch but i think this is just once again a team that's really oriented on one side of the ball they have a whole new coaching staff that they need to adjust to probably a totally new scheme on defense i think they flirt with the playoffs but i don't think this offseason makes them contenders for green bay's crown yeah i mean you touched on it earlier in the show andrew the vikings went eight and nine and two in 2021 but lost eight of those nine games by one score, the lone blowout obviously being to the Packers, of course. Uh, but that said, I mean, it kind of felt like this Vikings team just can't get over the hump. Now they have a new head coach and a new GM to deal with. So I see them finishing kind of pretty similarly to 2021. You know, those losses were almost all winnable, and I'm not sure anything they did this offseason really moves the needle for them enough to that would turn those losses into wins in 2022. I think the offense has potential just like they did last season. There's a lot of weapons on there if they can stay healthy. Um, but I think the biggest question mark right now is the health of the front seven on defense and if the secondary can gel uh, because it is relatively young and inexperienced. So did they get better or worse? I'm undecided. I feel like that's cheating. Um, I think they got a resurgence of talent, but they could still finish with an equal or worse record. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence here, too. It's just I feel like it's kind of a mediocre offseason, but you kind of see what they were doing. At the beginning of the offseason, I kind of liked what they were up to, right? They kind of acknowledged that they're at a team that just can't get over the hump. So they finally said, you know, we've had a respected head coach, a respected GM for a long time, but we're just going to blow it up because we feel like what we're doing isn't working. So I kind of like that idea. Um, they brought in a coach who has a history with Kirk Cousins, um, I think maybe 2000 and Oh, boy. A history that he was a quarterback's coach in Washington, I believe, with Kirk Cousins. So the ability for them to have some chemistry, knowing that they're not going to move on from Cousins, that's not going to happen. 
um, in the next couple of years. So some chem- chemistry there that they can kind of work with. So it's not like they're blowing up the whole thing, but acknowledging we need to take a step forward. So I like some of those moves. But then like we're really talking about a disappointment in Jeff Gladney right from a couple of years ago. Wasn't the player that they thought he was going to be, obviously, with having to release him with the off the field things and those kinds of things. Make the move to get Booth, try to get that young player in there. And then Xavier Woods, really, we talked about his departure being all those defensive snaps that they have to replace and they take someone like Lewis Seen. So I, it just feels like they plug some holes, move some things around, but we really don't know what this team is going to be. And I don't know that the difference is going to pay off in 2022. We may have to wait a couple of years to really see what direction this team is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. So the Packers are going to get to face the Vikings twice, of course. Uh, and the first one, they won't have to wait very long because it's week one Packers at Minnesota. That'll be on Sunday, September 11th at 3:25 p.m. Central Time. It took me a really long time to figure out what was going on because on on the schedule it now shows that it's 1:25 for me being in the Pacific time zone. <laughs> uh and then uh the Packers host the Vikings on Sunday, January 1st of 2023. That sounds weird. Uh in week 17 again at 3:25 Central. So, I would expect both of those games to have some implications for uh, divisional outcome, potential playoff burrs as well. Um, and so it should be pretty interesting. Anything anything you want to add to wrap this up? No, not really. But I am going to say this because I'm going to say I don't have anything to say and then I'm going to have something to say. <laughs> um, I, did, I didn't realize until you put that up there, we play them week one and week 17. And I just feel like we're going to be playing a very different team in week one than we are in week 17. So that's just going to be something to monitor. I think Green Bay probably goes in and rolls week one um maybe that's optimistic of me but week 17 they'll you know all the rookies will have time to acclimate and we might be playing um a much more maggie mentioned that the chemistry in the secondary is something that they've got to work on and those weeks in between will give them an opportunity to do that so opportunity for this to be a better team by the time they see them the second time in the season yeah i feel similarly i mean we talked about this a couple weeks ago andrew and we talked about the schedule release don't always love division matchups early in the season you know obviously we saw matt lafleur go down to chicago as his first game as a head coach and you know just really light it up was a barn burner of a game with you know one whole touchdown but the packers (laughs) pulled out a victory so I just I don't think Green Bay knows yet what they're going to see in O'Connell and the Vikings. So that is a big question mark. But I do agree, Kyle, that it will look a lot different towards the end of the season. And, you know, if the Vikings are in that eight, eight sweet spot at that point, it could have a wild card implication for them at that point as well. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack of the Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back breaking down more of the Packers' 2022 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.